Hey there, it's Amy. Welcome to ChirpCast. Encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. One thing, if you've listened for any amount of time you're going to know about me, is that I grew up in church. I'm very comfortable with my beliefs. I don't shy away from questions that people may have or disagreements about why I believe what I believe. With that said, one thing that I have noticed is a lot of people who become new believers in Jesus, they kind of struggle with prayer. For some of them, the struggle is something that they have shared and that they say they have a really hard time praying in front of other people or even when they actually pray in their own personal quiet time with God, that they struggle to find what they think is quote unquote, the right words. Now for me, I grew up in a faith system that is Pentecostal. So praying has always been something that is very open, truth be told, loud. And that isn't necessarily how I pray. I'm not super loud when I pray. It's it's more of a quiet, private thing for me. But it wasn't an odd thing for me to hear other people pray out loud. So I kind of just learned because that's what I was around. Now, if you are of another faith and or you come from a background of another faith, oftentimes prayer is, I believe the word is liturgical, where something is said or read and then there's repetition. Like you repeat something back and then they say something and then you repeat back. And it kind of goes back and forth. Well, when I pray, I don't like repetition. And that's just because that's my personality. I'm not one to repeat the same thing over and over again. Although God definitely knows that I have prayed about the same things over and over and over and over again, (laughs) to the point where he's like, okay, shut up, Amy. I heard you the first 70,000 times you prayed about that. But I wanted to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is I started thinking about it the other day. Prayer just kind of kept coming to mind. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So the Lord's Prayer can actually be found in Matthew chapter 6. He's talking to the disciples and he's trying to teach them because they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so the Lord's Prayer goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Matthew 6, 9 is where that can be found. And what I wanted to do is kind of break it down a little bit because... I am one sometimes who has to take a little bit of time and think about something before I sort of wrap my brain around it and get a hold of what the meat of the matter is. And so I just really wanted to go line by line on the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you'll hear something that you've never thought about before. I know I certainly learned a few things while I was researching the Lord's Prayer. So the very first line, our Father in heaven. For me, this is being spoken as I'm familiar with God. It's about a relationship. And so, I mean, he could have named any number of titles for us to begin our prayers with. He who is most high, almighty God of the heavens and the earth. And there's nothing wrong with naming the attributes of God as we pray. But I think it's so important that Jesus himself 
was telling his disciples to use the word father. It is, it's completely about being familiar with who God is. And he is our father. And we go to him in prayer because we, we know that he is listening, that his ear is bent towards us. And the second line says, hallowed be your name. And for me, when I read that, it to me, it speaks to his character of holiness. His name is hallowed. It's sacred. It's precious. And it says, your kingdom come. Now, when you think kingdom, I can um, definitely say I do not have a kingdom. <laughs> I don't have a kingdom. I seem to be trying to figure out how to pin ducks at the moment. But when we talk about your kingdom come, we're talking about his authority, his power, his ruling to come and to to be a part of us. And it says your will be done. I completely think of surrendering. In surrender, it's giving in to his knowledge of what's best. I mean, how often do we start talking to God and we go to prayer and we're like, okay, so here's my plan. <laughs> I want you to do this, this, and this, and it's going to work out fantastically. Well, that's not how Jesus is saying that we should pray. We should say, your will be done. Father, what is it that you want? What direction do you want me to lean into? What path do you want me to follow? I want it to be completely your will. Whatever it is that you have. I read something yesterday and it said, when you have the fear of God, you don't fear anything else. But when you don't have the fear of God, you fear everything else. I want to have the fear of God in being able to completely surrender and give over everything in my life. Because if I think about all the things that could happen in life, all of the disasters, all of the trials, all of the pain, all of the things that could happen that I have zero control over, that could scare me to death. I mean, that alone can make us want to stay in our homes and lock our doors and be afraid of everything. But when I know that my life is in his hands and that my heart's prayer really is, Lord, your will be done in my life, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about all the things that could possibly happen or what may happen tomorrow or next week or next year that I have no control over. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, talks about don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And there's a promise after that. And it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I trust and surrender to his knowledge and his will, I'm good. I am perfectly okay. And the next line of that says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I completely want heaven to be a part of my life every day. I want to understand that there are some things that are that are just so temporal and I want to be looking ahead as to what God has for eternal value, for eternity for me. So we're moving along here. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, that to me is super easy to interpret. I think, you know, his provision for our needs. Jesus is telling us, to lay everything at his feet and understand that he is going to provide for our needs. 
I had a conversation with a friend this last week talking about how they grew up sometimes not having food in the house, kind of having to scrounge around and figure out, you know, on their own as young children. For some, it was also with siblings. And they didn't have a parent that was 100% in it to win it as, you know, being a great parent. (laughs) They were very selfish. And so the provision wasn't there. But as God, our father, he says, it's okay to ask me that. It's okay to say, I have provisions that are empty at this moment, and I need you to fill that up, and I need you to take care of our needs. And he does, and he always will. And then continue on, it says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, when I was reading this, I mentioned to my husband, I said, you know, it's interesting that it says, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So basically, it's like saying, God, I want you to forgive me like I forgive others by small or large amounts. We're literally asking God (laughs) to use the same measuring stick on us that we hold up to other people. It doesn't say, forgive my debts because I'm not as bad as my neighbor. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. Now, that's a scary, scary part to pray when we are people who can be very big grudge holders. I mean, there are things in my life that I could look at certain people and point fingers and say, you know what? You owe me X, Y, and Z. You did this. You hurt the people I love. And so what I want to do is I'm going to hold that and harbor that in my heart against you. I won't forgive you. I will never forgive you for that. Now, that's a scary thought if I'm saying that to someone else whenever I turn around and pray, God, forgive my debts, forgive my sins, as I've also forgiven other people. I would really hope that I would be willing to forgive Now, it's one thing to, you know, people say, you know, I can forgive, but I'll never forget. Well, unfortunately, that's very true. I mean, I don't have amnesia. I know that there are people that have hurt my family, that have hurt me, that have hurt my friends, and I can choose to harbor hate and ill will towards them, or I can forgive them and say, God, this is your problem. (laughs) I don't want to have anything to do with holding ill will towards other people because I want to be forgiven. When I do something wrong, whether I do it on purpose or if I do it by accident, I want to be forgiven. And I want to have a clear conscience to be able to go to God in prayer and say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Help me to forgive others. And then this next line is something that I used to find really confusing. And lead us not into temptation. That word temptation I think kind of brings up images of like lusts of the flesh type stuff, you know, temptation for drugs, for alcohol, lust. There's so many things for anger even, you know, those are temptations. (laughs) We can deal with those things on a daily basis. Maybe it has more to do with our attitude, but it says lead us not into temptation. And I used to think when I was younger, I didn't even understand what that meant. Temptation always seemed like sin. Don't lead us into sin. And I was like, why do I have to pray to ask God not to lead me to sin? Why would God want me to sin? Why would he bring me to it? So I did a little bit of searching here. And in the Greek, the word temptation is not the way that we necessarily think about it in America. 
we think of the word temptation as I described earlier. But in Greek, which the original word is asking for less trials. Now we remember when Jesus was going to the cross and he asked his father, you know, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. If there's anything else that can be done other than this horrible thing that's about to happen to be nailed to a cross, then let that, let that happen instead. That would be great. And so when we're praying, lead us not into temptation, we're asking God for less trials. And Jesus knew what he was in store for. And the cool thing is he knows the trials and temptations of our lives. And we're asking God, even if there is a trial, even if there is a temptation ahead, I pray that you would lead me away from it as far as possible. And I know that that doesn't really make a lot of sense because we think, you know, if we lived perfect lives, we would be perfect people and we would always want to please God. But unfortunately, a lot of times through our trials is when we learn the most. We learn literally by trial and error. And God knows this about us. And then the last line says, but deliver us from evil. If we have to go through trials, if we have to go through temptations, which we will, because the Bible tells us that we are going to face trials and temptations. But because we have to deliver us from evil and basically deliver us from the evil one. Satan is going to try to use all kinds of things to trip us up in life. He's going to try to throw ruined relationships. He's going to try to throw addictions in our face. He's going to try to throw past mistakes and hurts and habits that we have dealt with. He wants to throw those into our face and say, who do you think you are? You think you're a Christian? You see, when we read this prayer, when we pray this prayer, We're literally sitting in the throne room of God. We've got his ear. And I want to be familiar with God. I want to speak about his holiness. I want to understand his authority. And I want to surrender to the knowledge of what he knows is always best. I want to understand that he always provides for our needs. And I also need the strength to be able to forgive others because that's the same stick that I'm going to be measured by in forgiveness. Yeah, of course, I'm going to ask for less trials. I don't want problems. I am not somebody who loves drama. I am like, no, thank you. (laughs) You can take that drama and go somewhere else because I am not that person. Even though I know all of these things in life are going to come, you know, sometimes out of left field. My prayer is still, God, even during these temptations and these trials, save me. Save me from them. Save me from even myself. Psalm 55, 22 is a great scripture and it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. There's like a million scriptures that I can give you today about being able to talk to God, about being able to give things to God. I love that Hebrews 13, 8 tells me Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, it's really cool that this prayer, you know, we've dubbed it the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't change. There's nothing about this prayer that goes out of style. It's not a fad. It's being honest and going before God and just opening your heart and being able to talk to him, going back to corporate worship and prayer and how sometimes we've 
set with people. I'm not, I can't even tell you how many Zoom meetings I've been a part of in this last year and a half. And some of them have been meetings for church and the like. And usually someone will say, okay, does anybody want to open us with prayer? And everybody, all of a sudden, their mics get muted. (laughs) Some people turn their cameras off because they don't want anybody to call them out. Because there's something about talking to God in front of everybody else, I think, that makes us so incredibly nervous. I just, I don't want us to feel that way. I want you to know that when you're talking to God, it doesn't have to be big, gigantic, fancy words where everybody is so incredibly impressed with how amazing you pray. (laughs) I can't even tell you how many times I've gotten tongue-tied trying to pray in front of other people. And it has nothing to do with them. I'm not nervous about what I'm saying. I just kind of get lost in my own thoughts when I'm praying and talking to God. And I, I feel like sometimes I don't always have the right words to say. And I've been praying for 40 years. But it's so cool because I opened my devotional this morning and it has verse of the day. And I had already been mulling over talking about the Lord's Prayer for today. And the verse of the day pops up. And I think it's really cool because it was like perfect confirmation for what I was supposed to talk about today. And it's Romans eight twenty six, And it says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. If you knew that Jesus was in the next room praying on your behalf, how would you feel? If you could open that door walk into the next room and see him sitting there, head bowed, interceding for you, for your family, for your circumstances, for your job, for your children. How would you feel? For me, I'll tell you, it would be sheer comfort. But the crazy thing is the Bible tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you right now, right now. Not just when you stop and acknowledge him, but right now. There are so many different aspects of who Jesus is that surprise me, that delight me, that make me feel at peace. And that is definitely one of them. To know that Jesus is interceding on behalf of me and that the Spirit is the helper that we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to say. There are so many circumstances I've tried to pray about that I'm just like, Jesus, I can't. (laughs) Like, amen. That's my prayer. (laughs) I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. He always answers. I, when I go to him, I know for a fact that there's going to be an answer. It might not be the answer I like, but it's going to be an answer. I hope that you would take time this week maybe today, to sit down and read Matthew. Again, Matthew 6, 9 is the Lord's Prayer. But reading Matthew 6, it's actually um, very insightful. I think it's super helpful to read that whole chapter right there. But to sit down and take some time with your Father. He wants to talk to you. He wants to cultivate that relationship with you. And the more you familiarize yourself with him, the next time somebody says, does anybody want to pray? You can know that the Spirit is there helping you to give you the words. And that's pretty awesome. 
I hope that you were encouraged today. And if you would like to hear more wit and wisdom, probably more wit than wisdom, (laughs) you can feel free to follow me on Instagram at ChirpCastAmy. And I will catch you next time.